Well, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? It's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're here. You're not having any trouble hearing me this morning over any of that background noise, right? I know. Oh, my goodness. Okay, thank you, Sarah. I can't do it. It's too much. You know, last week we were learning, Pastor Paul introduced us to this idea of above the din, and din is that background noise that really prevents us from communicating, from hearing, from thinking, and from resting. So I don't know about you guys, but uh, I, I paid attention to some din this past week. Um, so for those of you who are visiting with us today, my name is Stacy McLean, and I'm here today, and I'm honored to be with you and to be able to share a message that God's been laying on my heart for a while now. And so last week when Pastor Paul started this uh, Above the Den series, it really just was resonating with me because since about March, <laughs> when the pandemic really hit, there has been this just kind of noise that's been underlying, and it's really prevented a lot of us from being able to communicate and to rest and to hear and to have logical conversations. And so last week, he reminded us or taught us that this din, this noise can be pumped straight into our souls. And for me, when I heard that last week, it was like, oh, yeah, that's what's been going on is that this noise has been pumped into our souls and it becomes the din known as a disturbing internal noise. And I think each one of us have felt that disturbing internal noise. And maybe you weren't sure what it was or how to put your finger right on it. But after last week, maybe you started paying attention to some disturbing internal noise in your life. I know for me, I had not walked out of this building more than about two hours when the disturbing noise began to well up inside of me because I got an email from my son's school that said there'd been positive COVID cases at his school. Great. Now you can decide as a parent whether or not you want to send your kid to school. They weren't in his class, and it's going to be fine. But, you know, just by the way, there are a few more. And as the day went on, I got another email. Oh, there's been another case. And so there's this constant dis just disheveledness that I was feeling. And then on top of that, my husband had what we think is shingles. I don't know if you saw him today and you know my husband. Um, he's usually a pretty clean-cut, clean-shaven guy. Not right now. He hasn't shaved in over a week because we don't know what this is on his face. And so he's on all kinds of antibiotics. Oh, and by the way, my son has a broken foot, so he can't walk. Um, we're limping around on crutches and knee rovers. And oh, yeah, I also have some kind of health issue I've been dealing with since June. Test after test after test. We still don't know what's going on. And okay, all of that on top of trying to cook dinner, trying to do job responsibilities, trying to manage friendships and just life in general. So I, there's been some disturbing internal noise. All of these things are going on, and you think, no, it's fine. It's going to be okay. I'm good. No problem. No, it's not okay. It's not, that, all of that is not okay. And so what we were taught last week is that there's this whole push down, lift up. When this internal noise comes, we have to actively engage this process of ascension that Pastor Paul talked to us about, the push down and the lift up. And so last week, as I was getting these emails about COVID cases, at my son's school and not knowing in the health issues that are going on in our family, I began incorporating this push down, lift up. And by Sunday night, I was like, no, I am not going to let all of this external stuff be pumped into my soul and disturb my soul any longer. I'm going to do exactly what we learned about last week in Psalm 131. Remember what Pastor Paul read to us last week, rather I have soothed and quieted my soul, 
like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul with me. See, we can choose to quiet and soothe our soul. We have the choice. And so last week, whatever you were facing, whatever I faced that was trying to come against us, we can incorporate this push down, lift up idea. And for me, it really has changed um, the way that I respond. This is really something that started a couple of months ago for me, honestly. Um, And that's kind of how I've ended up here today because this is something God's been stirring in my heart for probably the last three to four months. Um, But the way it it came is is it's a gift. It's a gift from God. And so we're going to learn about this gift that God has given us. But the problem is it's not a gift that you would expect. Has anyone ever given you a gift and you were like, I'm not real sure why you gave me that or what I'm supposed to do with it? Anybody? Yeah. So when I was probably 15 or 16 years old, my sweet aunt gave me nose trimmers, like nose hair trimmers. And I thought to myself, what? People have hair in their nose? And I, would, I don't even know. I, I just didn't know what to do with that gift. It was like, this is a great practical gift if you got nose hair, but I'm not, do I have nose hair, you know? So this same, this gift that God has given us kind of may have ended up to us in our hands like a nose tremor, and we're looking at it going, what do we do with that, you know? Um, Because when I think about a gift from God, I think about the salvation that he brought to us through his son, Jesus Christ. I think about his forgiveness. I think about his mercy. I think about his compassion. I even think about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit through the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, who isn't going to get behind those gifts, right? That's what we want. But actually, the gift that God has given us that he's shown me over the last several months, it's the gift of lament. Yeah, right? Aren't you glad that you got up on a Sunday morning and came to church to listen to some girl talk to you about lament? I mean, when I first started hearing months ago people talking about how they were lamenting before the Lord, I was like, man, I don't know what they did, but I'm glad I ain't in their boat. I don't want that. That's weird. When I think about people lamenting, I think about being incredibly sad and just weird and on your knees and like putting ashes on your head and wearing all black all the time. But that is not what the gift of lament is. The gift of lament is so much more than that. So when we learned last week that we can quiet and soothe our soul, Pastor Paul talked to us about that idea of soothing your soul is bringing back equilibrium, bringing things back into balance. That is what soothing means, is to bring a balance. And so what has happened since the fall, actually, there's been a disequilibrium. There's been an imbalance. There's been what I would like to call an out-of-placeness. We have been out of place. After Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were sent out of the garden. And there is this disequilibrium, this imbalance of the way the world should be and the way the world really is. And so the gift of lament allows us to bring back into perspective this equilibrium or this balance. So that is what the gift of lament does. And I know for me personally, in 2020, the recognition of the imbalance in the world around us has been more pronounced than it has ever been in my memory of history. I don't know if that resonates with you, but I would assume that if you have been living through what I've been living through and watching the news and experiencing the things that we've experienced over the last six to eight months, you would probably say 
there definitely seems to be something more of an imbalance. And so lament is that process so that we can recognize that there is an imbalance, that there's a disequilibrium. And then through this process of pushing down and lifting up, we can move through that, soothe and quiet our souls. But for a lot of us, we just aren't sure what that process of lament is. I mean, that's great, but I need some practical, how do I do that, tell me what to do kind of steps. And so a lament, according to um, Mark Vrago, he wrote a book called Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy. It's a great book about the process of lament. And in that, he defines lament as a prayer that stands in the gap between pain and promise. It is a prayer that stands in this gap between the pain that we feel and the promise that God has given us. That gap can also be known as exile. And I think a lot of us have felt that, but maybe we just haven't been able to articulate what this exile is. So let me help you unpack that as God has helped me unpack that in my personal life. This idea of exile, exile means that we're removed from the familiar. Have you felt removed from the familiar in the last six to eight months? I mean, come on. Honestly, we're all wearing masks when we walk out to the grocery store. Do you know how nerve-wracking it was the first few months when there were one-way aisles in the grocery store and you're going this way, and then you have to go this way, and you're like, no, I'm in the wrong aisle. I have never been more stressed out. That is not familiar to me. One-way aisles in the grocery store, it's not familiar. And there's some stores where the arrows all point in the same direction, and you're pretty much stuck. And if you want to obey the rules like I like to obey the rules, you just are stuck in the middle of the store, and you can't go anywhere. That's, that's part of this feeling of being removed from anything that is familiar. How about the loss of security? Any of us experience the loss of security or separated from stability? Come on, separated from stability? We couldn't meet together as a church for months. That separated me from my stability because I use this kind of as a balancing for me. This is what, you know, no matter what my week has been like, I come in this building on Sunday morning and I bounce against people who are also in the same boat, but we're using God as our anchor. We're using Christ as that foundation to keep us stable. And without that, as much as I, you know, was able to do online, that was great, but it wasn't exactly the same. And so every single one of us, have found ourselves in this gap, in this exile between the pain and the promise. And so lament is going to allow us to move through that. See, everybody's experiencing it. Whether you are a part of the family of God or not, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel what I'm talking about. But see, for God has given us this gift of lament. It's a gift that he's given to us, his children, to be able to move through this exile because his children all too well throughout the Old Testament knew all about exile and even into the New Testament. And so he's given this to us. But I believe for every truth in God's word, there is a counterfeit truth that the world or the enemy tries to feed us. And see, so what's going on in the world outside of those of us in Christ, the world is responding to these feelings of um, not anything being familiar, the loss of security, the way the world is responding to it is divisiveness, hatred, chaos, anger, fear, anxiety. And some of us have been feeling those same things and we didn't know what to do with it. So, you know, the world is 
protesting and rioting and hoarding and guarding things. And that's what the world is telling us to do. I mean, you guys, come on, let's be honest for a second. How many of us ever thought in 2020 we would hoard toilet paper? Like how many of us thought we would not spare a square for our friend? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm one of those people who I was like, no, I got to make sure I have the toilet paper and the Clorox wipes in my house. You know, it's, it's become a problem because that's what the world said do. But God is saying, oh, no, Stacy, choose to quiet and soothe your soul through this gift I've given you known as lament. And so God is inviting each one of us to bring these feelings of the loss of stability, of the separation um, from security, from the, the unfamiliar world that we're living in. He's saying, bring all of those feelings, bring all of those emotions to me in this process of lament. Because what it will do, it will help us walk through that push down, lift up. It will help us go above the din. And so that's what we're going to take some time looking at today is what does it look like in the process of the push down, lift up of the lament. And so we're going to be looking at a really famous lament in Scripture today. And I just want to go through some of the things that are a part of how you begin this lament process. Because honestly, uh, up until like maybe April or May, I knew there was a book in the Bible called Lamentations, but I sure didn't want to read it except that one verse out of chapter three that says his mercies are new every morning. Like, okay, good, I'll hang on to that. But have y'all read the rest of the book? It's, it's a little bit sad, you know? It's, it's written by Jeremiah, who was known as the weeping prophet. Who wants to be known as the weeping prophet? So there's this process, though, of lament and what it looks like. And the very first step is to cry out. So we have to recognize that there is something that is not normal. We have to recognize that there is an imbalance, and we have to cry out to God. See, for a lot of us, what we're going to do is ignore it, and I tried to ignore it. I tried to say, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. My dad used to make fun of me. didn't matter what was going on. He'd be like, how you doing? I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. I mean, there could be a raging fire behind me, and I'm like, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. Because I don't want to admit that there's something not right. I don't want to say, hey, I'm weak and I'm vulnerable and I need help. But we are commanded by God to cry out to him. We are his children. If you are in relationship with God through his son Christ, it is a privilege. It is a gift he has given us. And so we don't need to just muster up our inner strength, but we need to cry out. And what that looks like is pushing down those feelings of separation from God. Have any of you felt like God has been absent in your life in the last six months? At any point, maybe it lasted a day, maybe it lasted weeks, maybe it's lasted a month, but you felt like the voice of God has been silent in your life, we are to cry out to him. We are to push down those feelings of overwhelming pain, loss, and despair. And I don't mean push them down like stuff them, don't recognize them. I mean Push them down because, say, they are not true. God has not forsaken us. His word tells us he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. That is a true word of God, and it is not changing in 2020. It has always been, and it will always be. And so when I feel like he's forsaken me, I have to push that feeling down and say, no, I'm going to lift up the truth about who you are. See, it's okay to remember the way things used to be. It's okay to look back and think, man, I remember how good things used to be. 
But it is not okay to just stay in that spot and be sad and depressed and not be able to move about it. It's okay to recognize that things are not the way they should be. It is okay to tell God, hey, God, I'm disappointed. I lost out on this. This didn't happen this year. This doesn't feel right. He wants us to bring that to him. See, I was too embarrassed to bring those things to God because I thought, who am I to tell God I'm mad or I'm angry? The reality is he already knows it, but he's invited us into the process of crying out to him and telling him that. And we have precedence in scripture. Psalm 42, I want you to listen as I read this. The psalmist is crying out to God in this. He's recognizing how things are not the way they used to be. He's remembering that, but then he's also just giving God his heart. And that is what God wants from us. God does not want me to just pretend that everything is okay. God wants me to give him my whole heart. He wants me to give him all of those emotions because when I give them to God, he can give back to me in the right order because only he understands rightly. And I'm trying, but I get real confused because I look at the situation around me. I look at the rising tide around me. I, whatever is the loudest volume, that's what gets my attention. And God's like, no, no, let my voice be the loudest voice in your life. Listen to this language in Psalm 42. My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. A multitude keeping festival. I mean, do you remember those times when we came to church a year ago this time and there was just a joy and an excitement? Now we kind of come to church a little bit with uh, like uh, some anxiety. Do you think they really cleaned the door? They said they were going to sanitize everything. I hope they did. Do you think everybody's going to be wearing a mask? So it's okay to recognize that things aren't the same. And then he goes on to say, why are you cast down, O oh, my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? I think some of us need to be willing to ask the proper why. That's the next part of it, is ask the proper why. So if you have heard me teach in the past, or you've been in a Bible study with me, or you're just my friend, or you know, you've come to me wanting to talk, you have probably heard me tell you, don't ask God why. Don't ask him why. Ask him how, and you move on. And up until a few months ago, that's what I thought. But guess what? <laughs> I have learned I was dead wrong. He absolutely says you can ask him why. You absolutely can come to him and say, why? Why, God? Why, why am I so downcast? Why are things going on? But we have to be willing to ask the proper why. And what I mean by that is not just coming back over and over again asking why. He gives us that permission and we can. But we have to be okay. Asking the proper why means being okay with not getting an answer. See, that's the proper why. You can come to God and you can ask him why, but your heart needs to be settled if he's not willing to give you that answer. For those of us who are parents, we know this all too well. There are a lot of whys that we know, but we just don't share all of those whys with our kids, do we? And you know why we don't? Because they aren't mature enough. They don't have enough experience. They don't have enough understanding to understand all that we understand. And so when we approach our Father, we need to know He willingly will let us ask why and cry out.
But when he doesn't give us an answer, it's not because he's cold. It's not because he's mean. It's not because he doesn't care. It's because he cares so much that he understands we aren't ready for the answer to that. So we have to be able to be okay with not getting an answer. We need to move from the why at that point to the who. Who God is. See, no matter what situation comes, so whether or not I have health issues, whether or not we're in the middle of a global pandemic, whether or not there's an election um, coming up in a couple of weeks, none of all of those events do not change who God is. We are told that Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has always been, and he will always be. He is an unchanging God. There is not a single circumstance that it will ever occur in this world that will change who God is, his very nature, his attribute. He is loving. He is forgiving. He is compassionate. He is steadfast. He is faithful, and he is always near us. There is nothing Listen to me, there is nothing that you will face that will change who God is. He is always the same. And so we need to remember who he is when the what in our life isn't happening. But a lot of times we think God did this or God didn't do that. And I understand that. But you got to give that back to him and do exactly what we hear in the psalm. Listen to how Psalm 42 continues. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. See, understanding that he is my hope, he is my salvation, and I shall praise him. My soul is cast down within me. So there's still that feeling. The psalmist, do you hear that language of disequilibrium? There's that language of, why do I feel this way? But I will choose to remember who he is. He is my hope. He is my salvation. I will again praise him. And then he goes on to say, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and all your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. That's the prayer of lament. That's the prayer that God is inviting us to be a part of today. To understand and recognize that things are not the way that they should be. Maybe you are dealing with a financial situation, with a job loss, with a health issue, with a relationship situation, and it is not supposed to be that way. You can bring that prayer before God. And then, remember when we first started reading in Psalm 42, he said, I remember when we used to go into the house of the Lord and I was leading the procession. He was remembering the events. He was remembering, oh, remember how good that was. And then he moves into, I remember you, God. from the land of Jordan. He goes into remembering who God is for who God says he is, not for my perception of what God has or has not done. So we need to be willing to make that move in remembering who God is, not my perception. It's really the key that we see right here. That's the kind of the turning point. The psalmist, he is saying, you know, God is my source of salvation and hope. And then he says, but I don't feel that. I don't feel that. 
See, our feelings are indicators, but they can never be leaders. And so he remembers who the Lord is regardless of how he feels about the situation. And it's a significant switch because there is an awareness of the absence of God that he feels. So I think some of us have just felt this absence of God. And instead of being aware that that's a feeling and not a reality, we've settled there. And we've just said, well, you know, okay, I I don't feel God, so he must not be there. No, we see the psalmist move from that and shift into the push down and the lift up. He moves into this, but God is my hope. This is my prayer. I'm putting my hope in God, not my ability to understand God. Listen, if my hope settled in my ability to understand God, it would be hopeless for me because I cannot understand or fathom all the things of God. He has given me a mind to comprehend and to begin that process, but my hope is in who he is, who he is. He is faithful. He is steadfast. He is full of mercy and grace. And as a matter of fact, that takes us right into the third step. The next part of this lament is asking boldly for help. So we've cried out and we've recognized that things are not the way that they are supposed to be. And now we can move into this process of asking boldly for help. We can come into the presence of God and we can approach his throne with boldness. Listen to the author of Hebrews, how he says it in Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, for those of us who are in the family of God, we get bold access to enter right into the throne room of grace because Jesus Christ has gone before us and he has entered into the holy of holies for us. He's moved into this space where the presence of God is. I think sometimes if you've been in church a long time, you've probably heard Hebrews 4:16 read or you know, you've heard a devotion about it or a sermon about it. And it is one of those that I think sometimes we lose a little bit of the meaning of the authority that we get because of what Christ has done. We've been given an authority. We've been given access. So I want to read it to you, um, when you in the Amplified Version, which I love the Amplified Version of the Bible. It kind of takes everything and defines it a little bit more. And so when it says that there's, we get to draw near to this confidence, it really is again and again we get to come in with a bold frankness. Listen to this. It says, therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. See, I've been given a privilege as a child of God. I've been given privileged access, VIP, right into the throne room of God. We've been given privilege to approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence, with a bold frankness, with an ability to understand that I can approach him with boldness and tell him specifically how I feel and what my needs are, what my hurts are, what my disappointments are. We can approach with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need, an appropriate blessing coming just at the right time. See, I think for a lot of us, we have gone into this time of quarantine and the pandemic, and it has brought out the worst in us. I mean, come on, am I the only one? It's, it's brought out some, some real ugly things that I did not realize I had issue with. I, didn't, I did not know I had an anger issue, you guys. 
I got a bad anger issue. And God has brought that out. And what it has done is made me realize I need God's mercy. I need to step into the forgiveness. Yes, I have yelled at every person that lives in my house. And I have raised my voice. And I have been unkind to them. And I have been angry. And I have mistreated them. But instead of allowing shame to be heaped on me, I have approached the throne of grace with confidence and boldness because through the death and resurrection of Christ, I am forgiven. And so I am going to open my hands and receive it. It was like what we were singing. His mercy is falling. And if you are a child of God, open your hands and take that mercy. Take that and move into this so that you can come into his throne room and ask boldly for help. Because Christ has gone before us, we can now approach God with a bold frankness. If you are in Christ, you have direct access to God the Father. Christ gives us direct access to God the Father. And a prayer of lament is our bold access into the presence of God so that we can take hold of his mercy and we can discover grace. It's that push down, taking hold of mercy. I am going to grab onto the mercy of God. I'm going to take hold and I'm going to receive that lift up. I'm going to receive that lift up of his grace. I'm going to discover that grace as I take a hold of his mercy. And the last thing that we have to do after we ask boldly for help, because right then and there in that moment, things may not change. So then we have to choose to trust. I want to read you a quote by a guy named Jerry Bridges um, who wrote a book called Trusting God Even When Life Hurts. And he defines trust in a way that is so helpful for me because I grew up in church and so I've been around people who speak church language all my life and I don't recognize how empty it can sometimes be. And I mean this very carefully. I don't mean to offend anyone because I've caught myself doing it, saying things, but I don't know exactly how it practically plays out. So one thing is when I am in a difficult situation, I'm like, well, I'm just going to trust God. Okay, well, well, this definition of trust helps put kind of feet into it. It helps put um, grips so that I can grab a hold of it. So listen to what Jerry Bridges defines trust as. Trust is not a passive state of mind. I love this part. It's a vigorous act of the soul by which we choose to lay hold on the promises of God and cling to them despite the adversity that at times seeks to overwhelm us. See, when we say we are going to choose to trust God, it is not a passive repeating Bible verses to ourselves. And again, I don't mean that in a bad way. Yes, I repeat Bible verses to myself, but some of us have gotten into like their magical cantations, you know, that you would just go around and say, what this is, what trust really is, is a vigorous act of our soul to cling on to those Bible verses, to grab those Bible verses and say, above all else, your word says you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. Clinging on to it as a, as a forceful act. That's what he's talking about here. That's what real trust is. It doesn't matter what's going on. Despite the adversity that is all around us, despite the volume that's being turned up. I mean, just this week, I was reading the Washington Post, and the headline was, 
the U.S. is moving into the worst phase it's ever seen. And I'm like, oh, I got to read that headline, right? Who doesn't want to read that headline? If we're going to the worst, I need to read it. And then it said, oh, by the way, the Washington Post is offering this as a free service to anyone who would like to keep up with coronavirus updates. So all you have to do is click here and we will freely send all of this bad news right to you. I mean, my mind is going to grab a hold of something. So I want a vigorous act of my soul to grab a hold of the truth of God because it is the only thing that will not shift. It's the only thing that will not change. The headlines are going to change every single day. For every bad headline, you can find maybe 20 that is not bad, you know, honestly. But God's word is true, and we've got to hold on to his truth. So I'm not saying don't know God's word, but what I'm asking you to do is grab a hold of it. It is a forceful act of pushing down the feelings, turning down that volume so that the volume of God's voice can be elevated above everything else in your life. Because until the volume of God's voice is elevated in your life, your soul will not be soothed. But guess who gets to control the volume? We do. So we have to choose to turn down the volume on the things around us that we cannot change and turn up the volume of believing God. So as we move into this time of expressions, this is a time for us to respond to what God's saying to us. This is an opportunity. God is speaking to us today. It is not an accident that you are here today. And so we are presented a choice we're going to get to choose. Are you willing? Do you want the gift of lament? I mean, it may not be exactly what you thought you were going to get, but he's given us this gift and we can choose whether or not we want to receive the gift of lament. Are you going to be able to be willing to recognize the loss and the disappointment, the loss of control, the sadness that you're feeling? It's your choice. You can pretend it doesn't exist, but this morning God is inviting you to boldly approach his throne and to give him that and to be honest with him. Are you willingly gonna vigorously trust the Lord? Move past just reciting things to yourself, but grabbing a hold of with force, pushing down the things around you? Are you gonna trust the Lord? See, today we can choose to do what the Apostle Paul has told us to do in Colossians 3. He says, if you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Set your mind on the things above, not the things of earth. He's inviting you into this this morning. He has a precious gift to give to you. Will you receive it this morning? Father, we love you and we thank you so much. We thank you that you have given us this gift of lament, this prayer that we can pray while we feel like we are in exile, but yet we know that in this gap between the pain and the promise that your word is true, that you are a holy, loving, good, faithful, merciful God. So Father, we come before you this morning with a bold frankness and we approach your throne of grace and we are asking that you will give us the strength to grab a hold of your mercy and your forgiveness so that we can receive grace in our time of need. In Jesus' name, amen.